be set apart uh, to be used for God's service. And so we sanctify ourselves because when God comes down, we then become, we become, in, we enter into his presence. And if God is a holy God and we're about to enter into his presence, we have to sanctify ourselves and get ourselves ready for that. And so we, we always shout and we like the phrase, if God is for us and who can be against us and if God is fighting with us, well, if we are not sanctified, if we are not consecrated, if we are not devoted to God, if we're not ready to be in His presence and to be used for His service, how do we expect Him to stand next to us and fight with us and fight for us if we haven't done our part and to get ourselves ready? Uh, another phrase, the scripture we say, greater is He that is in me than he that is in the world. But if, if we don't take time to consecrate ourselves, how are we able to tell if we are uh, a part of the world or a part of the church. And the church obviously is sanctified and, and, and to be called out, to be separate from the world so that we can distinguish uh, between the righteous and the unrighteous. And I know I'm talking to the saints and, and not sinners and uh, the battles that uh, we, we we're not fighting those battles, hopefully not anymore that we used to, dealing with the sins of our past and and hopefully we are a completely different person since coming to the Lord and our battle, those battles are long gone and now we are, are, are living for the Lord and we don't have to fight uh, to stay out of the bars and drugs and addictions and like I said, hopefully we've moved far, far, far beyond those battles. Uh, but that doesn't mean that we are free from struggles and free from battles wherever we are now. Uh, nobody's going to be exempt from that, especially as long as we have this carnal body. We're always going to have a battle every day, and that is this, this carnal flesh. If we're not fighting anything else, there, that enemy will always be there in the morning as our flesh. Uh, and so we always have a battle to fight. And so, uh, but more uh, like the things, we have to fight things now, more like things to help us uh, stay engaged in the church, stay active in the church. Um, we are here, but that does not mean we necessarily want to be here. Hopefully we all want to be here, but we are in the kingdom of God, but um, how zealous are we for the kingdom of God? Those are the things that we start having to deal with once we've been established in the church is trying to deal and fight off complacency and contentment and uh, just being satisfied where we're at. we got to fight off uh, spiritual apathy, uh, fight off being content with way, the way things are and staying within the boundaries of the kingdom. Um, but as long as we're in the kingdom and, and we're just happy to be here and not really desiring to move forward or just uh, being satisfied where things are, that's, that's, those are the battles that we have to face uh, once we've overcome a lot of those bigger things in life uh, from sin. And so we've got to deal with distractions that are designed to grab our attention and take it away from the kingdom of God, especially in 2020 we have an abundance of distractions each and every day, everywhere we go. They may not be a sin, but and they may not be unclean, 
But if they make us, uh, uh, if they become a spiritual sedative, then they make us worthless in the kingdom of God, then that can become a problem in our life. Something that we will have to deal with and fight with. Um, and we may not be sinning and we're, we're not letting our flame go out, but uh, could it be that we're not really trying to add much more fuel to it? That we're just kind of, well, I just need this much to get by this week. And uh, those are the kind of things we have to start looking out for once we've been in the church for some time. Uh, watching out uh, so that we are not uh, caught up in just doing the bare minimum of consecration to get by. Because Israel had been in the wilderness for nearly 40 years. They were led by the cloud in the day. They were moved by the pillar of fire by night. They had weekly services. They heard sermons from Moses and Aaron. They had seen the supernatural before, and probably they probably got used to it. It didn't help them when they said, um, Moses, we don't want to hear the voice of God anymore. You go deal with God, and you relay it to us. That, probably, that did not help them at all. That, uh, they, they kind of went downhill from there. Because when, when, you, when you can put a, a barrier between you and God, it never ends up good for you. Uh, you try to put somebody else between you and God, uh, it, it doesn't end well. And so uh, it's, it's not like the people of Israel uh, were just kind of pulled out of the miry clay, pulled out of sin, and, and God says to them, consecrate yourself because you're, you're filthy and you're dirty and you're rotten. No, they, they were living for God, at least trying to live for God for nearly four decades. But he still says... Consecrate yourselves because I'm coming to visit you. And so that goes to show us that we're never too old to consecrate ourselves again. We never get beyond the consecration uh, and commitment and dedication that we must do in our lives. We'll never outgrow that phrase because the more that we grow in the Lord, the closer that we get to Him. And the closer we get to His righteousness, and, and, and then we, we get to even see how much more unrighteous we are the closer we get to God. And the closer we get to His holiness, the more that we realize how whole, unholy of a people we can be. The closer we get to His glory, the more that we realize how much we fall short of it. And therefore, it is a continual calling, a continual process for us to consecrate ourselves because we should be drawing closer and closer to him and thus realizing our shortfall, realizing how much we need him and therefore giving us the, the desire, the zeal, the commitment that we need to say, oh, I need to, I need to consecrate myself again. I, I just, God just revealed to me uh, something else in my life that I didn't realize was there and that could be because we're drawing closer to him and his light is shining more and brighter in our life. And so uh, that exposure, that revelation comes by us drawing closer to him. Uh, the more we seek him, as the song goes, the more we find him. And the more we seek him, the more we realize how much we need him and how much we need his mercy, his love, his grace. Um, and if we're just content where we are, and where God is, then we can't really expect to go in a, a, into 
new promises and possess new territories in God if we're just happy where we are at. Because to do that would require us to give up more of ourselves. Because if we want more of what God has, God wants more of consecration on our end. And when we move closer to God, uh, God will take another step in this direction uh, so that we can continue following after him and drawing him to that new place. And so um, that's why we desire uh, to have more of him because uh, whenever we reach our new dimension, a new level, wherever we're at in God, it's nice uh, first arriving at this new revelation, this new uh, level, if you will, um, but uh, begin to enjoy all the benefits and whatever it may come with. But after a while, uh, God wants you to just say, hey, let's go. Let's keep on moving up. And if we get content where we're at, then we will run out of things to experience and see because uh, God wants us to continue drawing closer to him. And so, um, and that's why we, we we consecrate ourselves. That's why we have a desire to pray more, to fast more, to study more, to read more of the Word of God. It's because uh, we know that uh, we need more of Him. And if we want to continue growing in God and seeing new things in life, then we have to uh, consecrate ourselves uh, even more. And so the children of Israel were getting ready to cross over into the promised land. Yes, it was a land of promise. Yes, it was flowing with milk and honey, but it is also uh, was a land that was already inhabited by other people. Uh, and so uh, that's the, uh, the other reason why we need to sanctify ourselves, not just because we're going to be in the presence of God, that's first and foremost, but we have to sanctify ourselves because we need to make sure that we are identified uh, with the right side. If you're going into the enemy's territory, you don't want to look like the enemy. You don't want to dress or act like the enemy. When you go into the enemy's territory, you want to be identified with your side and so that everyone else on your side can see, hey, you're you're a friend, you're an ally, Uh, you're not the enemy. Uh, And so stepping into that unknown territory, even with the help of the Lord, does not mean that we are going to be void of trials, tribulations, and obstacles. It was inhabited by a people that were not of God, by a people who did ungodly things and who lived in sin. They served other gods, and uh, they did not live a righteous life. And when the people of God were going into the promised land, if they were consecrated, they would know uh, that they were on God's side because We need to know who we are, and they need to know who we are, and God needs to know who we are, what side that we are on. When we are on the front lines of a battle, you want to know who exactly the enemy is and and where your allies are because you don't want any mix-ups on the front lines of the battle. And if we are going to invade the enemy's territory, if we're going to push back the forces of darkness, then we as the people of God need to shine brighter than ever before. And so in order to do that, we have to consecrate ourselves. We have to sanctify ourselves. We need to be marked as the child of God more than ever before. And if we are glowing with the glory of God, the devil is going to see us coming. 
The enemy is going to know that their time is about to be up because the people of God are coming in and they're consecrated, they're committed, and they've got God fighting for them. And they know that if the people of God ever woke up and started living at the level that God has called us to, then there's nothing that will be able to stop the church in our lives. There's nothing that will be able to prevent the revival that God wants to do in our lives if even the gates of hell will not be able to prevail against the church. And so the more the people of God consecrate themselves, the more the devil is going to cringe. Because that means that we are touching God, we're getting closer to God, and they cannot do anything against the power of God. And so we are not going to uh, reach Fort Myers and Lee County with fancy flyers and friend day services. And yes, they're good and, and they're good to do, but the real change, the real reaching and the real victory comes from a consecrated people, comes from a praying people, a praying church, a, a fasting church, a church that's hungry for more of God, a, a church that knows how to touch God and to get in the power and the presence of God. That's what's going to change and reach our city. And so that's why uh, we, that's why I send out every week to remind us of our goal, our consecration goal for this year of 20,000 hours of prayer, 2,020 days of fasting and inviting 1,000 people because we want more of God in our life, we want more of God in our church, but we want more of God in this city. So that means we are going to have to consecrate ourselves even more to see more results from God's end. And so thank you to all those that are helping to report I know that we're halfway through our 21 days of consecration for a friend day service, and I appreciate all those that are involved and are sacrificing um, for these, these this time. But I, my prayer is that these 21 days are not the only days these year this year that we consecrate ourselves above and beyond what our normal weekly schedule is. Uh, we should. Uh, be drawn to consecrate ourselves as often as we uh, should um, uh, because if it, if it goes too long with us not fasting uh, more or, or not devoting more time to God, then really we can get stuck where we're at and just become start getting comfortable, start getting uh, satisfied where we're at. I tell you, the, the quickest way to get uncomfortable is to start a fast. Nobody likes fasting. Our flesh does not like the fasting. It makes us uncomfortable, but it's a consecration to God, and that will take you one step closer to wherever God is calling us. And so while we're starting off these 21 days, these three weeks of uh, consecration, it's my prayer that we continue on throughout the year, uh, and maybe we make some more uh, planned uh, times and planned events uh, in your life, um, hopefully it's not always just coming from me and saying we need to do this. And hopefully we, we're at the point in our lives where we feel a drawing in our own walk with God that God calls us to a, a two- or three-day fast. Or, and, and, you know, nobody knows about it because we are, are drawing to God in our own life and our own devotion uh, because we want to see more of God in our life. And so we see Joshua 3 
and 5, Joshua said unto the people, Sanctify yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. Joshua spake unto the priests, saying, Take up the Ark of the Covenant, pass over before the people. And they took up the Ark of the Covenant, and they went before the people. The first obstacle that Israel faces was not Jericho, but it is the Jordan River. They first had to cross over that before they would ever face uh, Jericho. It's, it's one thing for a handful of spies to cross a river, 12 spies, 12 people to cross a river, but it's a different thing for an entire nation to cross that river. Uh, it takes a lot more planning, engineering, architects, lots and lots of resources. If you're going to construct a bridge or uh, a dam or something to block the waterway so that uh, millions of people can cross over, uh, and, and the children of Israel, remember that they've been roaming in the wilderness for 40 years, and so they're just blessed to have shoes still on their feet. Uh, it's not like they're car carrying around logs to build a bridge one day. Uh, they barely, if God did not have that, perform that miracle of, of keeping their clothes and keeping their shoes on their feet, uh, then they would literally have nothing. And so, you know, they didn't have the resources to build a giant bridge to cross this Jordan River. And when you don't have what you need to get over your obstacle, the question is, where do you go? Where do you go when you turn up short? Where do you turn to? Where do you go when you are lacking? Many people might go to friends or family or maybe many might go to the government. But uh, I'm glad that we know uh, the God that we can turn to who can supply our needs, that we can turn to him, we can su su uh Submit our prayers to him, prayer and supplication, uh, because we know that God will supply our needs according to his will. And so when all we have, we, all, we only may have a pile of ashes, but the word of God says that God will trade me beauty for ashes. And when I lack strength and I only have weakness, God will give me strength for my weakness. And uh, it says, for the spirit of heaviness, God will give you a, a garment of praise. And so it doesn't matter what we don't have yet, but it matters that whatever we have, we learn to give that to God because God will take that from us and give us something better in return as long as we are willing to give it to the Lord. God, you can take my ashes and give me beauty. You can take my weakness and I'll take some strength. Take my heaviness and I'll, I'll take some praise. What a, what a bargain that we have in that deal that God will take the bad in our lives and gives us something good out of it in return. And so it's okay to be lacking resources. It's okay to not have everything that we need because if we have Jesus, then we will have access to all that we need. And not only was the Jordan River their first obstacle, but it represented all other hindrances, all other difficulties. It represented the outcome of the future battles that they would face. If they can get through the Jordan River, then they would be able to conquer anything that uh, laid in wait for them. If Israel could cross the river, then nothing else would stand in their way. In many ways, this was a repeat of the Red Sea. Because those that 
the current generation that was there with Joshua, they may have been really young when they crossed the Red Sea or they may not have been born yet. Only those that were 20 years and younger were permitted to stay alive. And so, obviously, if you're in your late teens, you would remember the Red Sea. But the children that are now grown up, uh, that are ready to cross over, they they only hear about the Red Sea parting. Uh, and so, uh, when you saw Moses leading the children of Israel out of Egypt, everything was fine. They were excited. Everything was fine until they ran out of road. Until they got to a place where they got stuck, they could not go back because Pharaoh was coming after them and they could not go forward because there was a Red Sea staring them in the face. And so, and they also had no resources to build a bridge. They didn't have the time to build a bridge or build boats. They were literally, they were helpless and they knew it. Moses knew it. But God also knew it too. And what an opportunity for God to show up and to show off his mighty power by splitting this ginormous sea right in front of their eyes. And many times the miracles that are experienced are at the end of your road. When we've run, come to the end of our road, the end of our life, the end of our, our, our strength, uh, that's when we are forced to depend upon God. And many times that's when we see God do a great work. If we could just learn to surrender a whole lot earlier, uh, maybe we'd, we'd cross over a lot sooner. Uh, but we, as humans, we're prideful, and we think we can do it ourselves, and we, so we, we spend uh, useless time trying to construct ways to get across the Red Sea uh, when God can easily just part it, and we can just walk on over and save the, save the time, energy, effort. Uh, and so when we, we can do no more, when we have nothing left, we've tried all that we can do, we've drained all our resources, that's when we get to see God do his best. And that's when that first generation, they got to saw, see God do uh, his miracle as Moses raised the rod and part of the Red Sea and they walked across on dry ground. Now a new generation is at a, a, a big water barrier and they don't have what it takes to get across. And so uh, now they too can see their own Red Sea, if you will, but they will see the Jordan River uh, part. And so if they have the faith to believe that God can split an ocean, then that means that God really can do anything. It doesn't matter what comes their way. If God can split the Red Sea and kill the, the, the most powerful army on the planet that was chasing them, then what does it matter who stands in front of them? That God is still with them. He's still going with them with a pillar of cloud, a pillar of, of fire, uh, and so uh, I'm sure God was saying, surely they see this Red Sea part, surely they'll have enough faith to get through the promised land. But obviously we know they did not maintain that mindset and that attitude. And so uh, that's why uh, uh, the children of Israel failed. They failed to understand as they passed through the Red Sea. Uh, how many times did Moses, did God tell Moses that he was going to wipe them people out? And start over. Can you imagine how frustrated God must have been to see all that he had done for his people. 
all the miracles that he did, and then, then they start complaining and whining and crying and saying, no, we can't do it. Let's just go back to Egypt. It's better back there. Talk about how upset God was uh, to throw all that in his face after all he did and just to tell God, I'd rather go back and live in sin. It'd be better back there. And so obviously God told Moses that he wanted to kill them all uh, and start over. And so if you want to frustrate God, then we just got to do what Israel did. And just start complaining, murmuring and complaining. Even after seeing miracles, signs and wonders and just uh, saying, I, I can't do it this week. After experiencing an awesome Sunday service and then uh, a few days later you say, oh, I just can't do it. I can't do it. How, how, how frustrated do you think God might get with us when, when we, we have all these things and we experience the supernatural. But a few days later we're just like, oh, I can't do it. That can get us on God's naughty list real quick. And so um, there are two ways to get, uh, to get God's attention, uh, crying out to him for help or complaining to him. Those two things will get the ear attention of God, and you can choose which way you want to go. Um, there's only one way that ends good. And so both, both generations, the people that were with Moses and the people with Joshua, they're facing a similar similar obstacle, a large body of water that they needed to get across. But there's a big difference when God split the waters for Moses as he did when he do it, did it for Joshua. For Moses, it was just Moses raising up the staff and the water split. But when the people that Joshua was leading uh, into the Jordan River... When they were to watch the waters part, there was a team of priests that were carrying the ark into the river, and then the waters started to part uh, as they took each step. And so to go where God is leading us, we're going to have to work together carrying the ark of God, carrying the presence of God. Uh, if we want to go where he wants us to go, we're going to have to do that together. We're going to have to do things as a team uh, no more you and, and me, but it's going to be us. It's got a weird, we're going over to pro possess the promises. We're going to see what God has in store for us. Um, no more sending Moses up to the mountain to touch God, but you and I need to carry the Ark uh, of the Covenant across the Jordan River together. And when we go in together, uh, we need to say, I need you, you need me, and we need God to do something for us. Otherwise, we're not going anywhere. And so once we get in the, the uh, same mindset and get one mind to one accord, we're saying, hey, we're carrying this burden together. We're moving forward together. And that's when we get to see the Jordan River part when they began to work uh, together. But we all have to do our own part. We all have to carry our own weight to get across the river. And if you want to see God get excited, you want to see God unleash his power, then have the people of God start carrying the ark together. Start carrying the burden of, of arrival. Start carrying the, the burden of prayer. If we do that together, God will really start to get excited seeing the people together come together and say, man, I got to part this thing because they're ready to go through. And, and I'm, I, I want to go to where God has us. Uh, for us, but we got to go together. 
We can, there's no more sending up spies like, like Joshua did years earlier, but now they're moving over together. Uh, and so uh, we have to go together if we want to see what God has in store for us. Uh, musicians, if you would come. And so it all begins, it all begins with consecration. Because when we are all committing ourselves to sacrifice, when we are all considering uh, or committing ourselves to prayer, when we're all committing ourselves to fasting and consecrating ourselves, then we are all laying down our own personal agendas, laying aside our own will, laying aside our desires, and we are pursuing a single purpose, and that is what God's will is. And that begins with consecration. So the more that we consecrate ourselves, the more united that we will become as a body because we're, well, whether we realize it or not, we'll, we'll be drawn closer together because we're all trying to draw closer to God. Uh, and, and so the more united we will become, the more connected that we will be to the Spirit of God. And then we'll be able to, to speak and to say the same thing because we've been laying aside our cares, our wants, and i got to consecrate myself because my will is getting in the way. And uh, it can affect the body as a whole. And so if, we're, if we are to go over together, go over the Jordan River uh, into the promised land together, we all have to be on the same page. And it all starts if we all start consecrating ourselves then we abide, but naturally we will start growing closer to God because we're seeking the Spirit of God. And once we get all on the same page, when we all understand that we need to work together to get the ark across the river, uniting for a purpose is one thing, but walking together for that purpose, that's an entirely different thing. We can all agree everyone's going to say, yeah, we want revival. But to get, to get together and walk in the same direction for revival, that takes another, that's another animal to, to tackle. Uh, and so the problem is, is, is if we're not fully consecrated and committed to the purpose and the cause of Christ and what he wants to do, uh, then our flesh kind of speaks up and gets in the way. And we're all lining up trying to cross the, uh, the River Jordan. And then all of a sudden we, get it, we file, file in line. And then we look to our left and to the right, and we just say, oh, I don't like who I'm standing next to. I don't want to walk with them. I want to walk with somebody else. Or I, I want to go walk with my friends. I don't want to get stuck in line with these people. Or, or maybe we're, we're, we see somebody else in line, and we're, we think, what, are, what is he or she doing holding the ark? After what they've done, they, they shouldn't be holding the ark. They shouldn't even be in line. What happens when we don't consecrate ourselves is that our carnality starts speaking up, and we uh, we begin to become more selfish and and prideful, and say, "Well, I don't want to deal with them, or I don't want to say hi to them, or I'll just walk right past them." And uh, how can we do that if we're all in the same camp? If we, it, it shouldn't matter who we stand in line next to, as long as hey. We're not staying here. We're going to go forward. We're going to a better place, uh, the promised land. We've got to go possess our promise. And so if we can't get along with each other here, then we're not going to go anywhere. 
we all want to go to heaven, but if we can't live with each other down here, how's that going to work out? God's going to put them right next to you in heaven. If you can't get along down here, you're not going to be staying in heaven very long. There's supposed to be peace up there, so if you're causing trouble, you're going to get kicked out. And so we got to learn to get together down here and uh, love each other down here. Ephesians 4 says, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you are called, with all lowliness and meekness, with long-suffering, forbearing one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. I'll read the back half. Forbearing one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit. And so endeavoring means to be diligent. It is to use speed. That is to make effort, to be prompt, to be earnest. Uh, earn Endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. That means that uh, whenever something arises... And if we are endeavoring to keep the unity, we, we should be saying, I need to fix this as soon as possible. Because if this is, does not got, gets fixed, then the unity starts to fade and dissipate. Uh, and so endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit, and to, to keep the unity of the Spirit, we have to forbear one another in love. Holding on to bitterness or, or anger or jealousy for weeks is not endeavoring. That's not being fast to fix it. That is not trying to keep the unity of the spirit. That is a, that's a, a selfish act. Uh, that is our flesh and our pride saying that my needs, my feelings are more important than the bodies. And so I'm just going to go over here and keep to myself. And I'm not going to worry about what, the, what everyone else is doing or what the rest of the body's doing. I'm just going to worry about myself. Then how can we forbear one another in love? If we're not concerned about everyone else. And we certainly can't endeavor to keep the unity of the spirit if uh, we're not concerned of being connected with anybody else. And so uh, we cannot cross the Jordan River uh, when we think and we act like that. Uh, We've got to learn to forgive. We've got to learn to love. And we've got to learn to move forward. And that at times can be hard because we, we, we... we shouldn't experience any hurt here in the church with our brothers and sisters. We're all one body. And so when we feel church hurt, there's no hurt like church hurt. Uh, and so that can cause problems. But we should be endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirit uh, by forbearing one another in love. And so uh, we've got to learn to love, learn to forgive, uh, learn to recommit ourselves to the cause of Christ, to the church consecrating ourselves and laying down our will, laying down our feelings, our, uh, our desires, so that we can all get on the same page, and that is to cross over to wherever God wants us to go. We have to go together. We can't go one by one, but we've got to go together as we are the body of Christ. If you stand with me tonight. First Peter says 2 and 5, Ye also as lively stones are built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices that are acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. And so 
We are lively stones in 1 Peter and Ephesians 2 says, in whom all the building fitly framed together groweth unto a holy temple in the Lord, in whom ye also are builded together for an habitation of God through the Spirit. And so the purpose of us coming together and building is to become a habitation of God. God wants to uh, dwell among his people. He, he's going to inhabit uh, the praise of, of his people, the habitation of God. Uh, and so the purpose of us getting together is not uh, for our needs. It's for us to say we want to come together and let God come in the midst of us. And so if we are to come together, then we have to lay aside our differences, our cares, our wants, our feelings for uh, our likes and dislikes. We have to say, no, there's a greater purpose than my need, but the greater purpose is let's create a habitation that God can come in and dwell amongst us. And so uh, we may be together in body, but are we fitly framed together? Are we built together like a, a, a block building? Those are fitly framed. They, those ain't coming apart. If we can't walk across the Jordan together, then we've only got one place to go, and that is to turn around and walk in circles the rest of our days. And has it ever occurred to you that 100 pianos are all tuned at different times, different places, but they are all tuned to the same fork, the same tuning fork, and therefore they are automatically tuned to each other. And they may not even be in the same building, but uh, hopefully the piano in this building sounds the same as the piano at the church across the street. If they're all tuned to the same fork, then they would sound the same. And that is that is the meaning behind consecration is the tuning fork that God hits. And, and we hear the vibrations creating that note, that sound. If we personally are trying to align ourselves with that tuning fork, then we as a body will be tuned in together because we're all listening for the same thing. And we're all trying to consecrate ourselves to the same spirit. And so uh, that is the purpose of us as lively stones to be fitly framed together. God is striking the tuning fork. And if we're consecrating ourselves, we're just going to be kind of slowly coming together whether we realize it or not, but in the spirit, God sees us coming together as a body so that his spirit can dwell uh, amongst us. And so Ephesians 4 and 16, from whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth according to the effectual working in the measure of every part, maketh increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. And so if everything is working together, there's going to be an increase because of the unity that happens in the body. Uh, and so the church body is to be fitly joined together like a ball joint and a socket. There's only one way that ball joint and socket works and comes together. You try to twist it another way, it's going to come out and it's not going to work. Uh, and so uh, how do we tell if we are fitly framed together. 1 Corinthians 12 tells us that there should be no schism in the body. 
that the members should have the same care one for another. And whether one member suffer, all the members suffer with it. Or one member be honored, all the members rejoice with it. That's how you can tell we're tuned together, that we're consecrated to the same note, to the Spirit. Because when, when one person or one member is hurting, we're all going to feel for that person. We're all going to uh, pray for that person. And on the other side, when one member is honored, we don't say, man, they don't deserve that. Or we don't say, I wish that was me. I deserve that. When one member's honor, we, we praise them. Praise God for that. That's so great to see. And that's how you can tell when we are becoming fitly framed together, when we suffer with one another, and we also uh, worship with one another. And so we know that we are fitly joined together when we feel each other's pain. But if we can't feel anyone else's pain, either we're out of joint or, or somebody else is out. There's a, there's a, there's a division there. There's a break somewhere. And so I believe that if we commit ourselves to consecration, to tuning in to the tuning fork of God, uh, then we will start to draw together. We will come together and we will let God's will be done and not our will. And then we can walk all over together. We can inherit and start possessing the promises of God. Uh, as we saw in the beginning of the church, uh, and when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all in one accord in one place. They weren't there just saying, oh, what my, these are my wills, these are my desires, these are my needs. No, they were there for a purpose, and they were tuning in to the Spirit of God. And when they were in one mind and one accord, suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. That's where we get to see God start moving. That's when we get to see the waters start moving back and the Jordan River start parting is when we come together in one mind and one accord. But it begins with you. It begins with me. It doesn't begin here. It begins at home. Individually, we have to say, i got to consecrate myself. And if we all do our part in the body, the body will come together and it will grow even greater because we are staying committed to God. And so as we begin to sing tonight, I wonder if we can just kind of close our eyes and begin to think on God and ask God to uh, give us strength or give us knowledge and wisdom, God. Help me to, to be consecrated to you, Lord. If I'm veering off in the wrong direction, God, Help me feel your spirit of conviction in my life that will turn me 